Hello, and welcome to a little bit of everything podcast. I am Ali, and I'm doing this solo today. I am normally accompanied by my husband, Scotty, and we have six kids between us, ages 11 to 21. On this podcast, we chat about a little bit of everything. Our main focus is on dating, relationships, and parenting in a blended family household. We will talk about finances, our careers, mental health, movies, and other things that impact our relationship with each other and our kids. This week, I am going to be talking about attachment theory, which focuses on relationships and bonds, mainly long-term between people, including parent-child relationships and romantic relationships. Attachment theory is a psychological explanation for the emotional connection we have with those around us. Some experts believe we are born with certain tendencies, more of like a nature versus nurture situation. But most experts agree that regardless of our disposition at birth, our environment can shape our attachment styles. Regardless of your relationship conditions growing up, you can change your attachment style. There are four types of attachment styles, secure, avoidant, anxious, and disorganized. If you aren't sure which style you have, there are free quizzes online that you can take to find out. Scotty is anxious attached and I am avoidant attached. I will go over all of the attachment styles in this episode briefly, but my main focus that I'm going to explore today will be on avoidant attachment since that is my specialty. In a future episode, we will go into further detail about anxious attachment, which is Scotty's area of expertise. So he will do more of the talking on that. And in that episode, we will also chat about how these two styles in particular are attracted to each other and they are kind of like opposite. And so we'll also talk about how we work on this within our relationship. One thing I want to emphasize is that none of these attachment styles are wrong or mean that you are broken. We can certainly work on self-improvement and there is healing to be done. But there is nothing about any attachment style that makes you undeserving of love. Similar to love languages, this is just another area in which we have a unique need in order to feel loved and secure in a relationship. Let's start with secure attachment. If a child can consistently rely on their parents to fulfill their needs growing up, they are likely to develop a secure attachment style. If your parents were emotionally available and aware of their own emotions and behaviors, you grew up feeling safe, understood, comforted, and valued. People with a secure attachment style see relationships as a safe space where they can express their emotions freely. (laughs) What's that like? (laughs) I would like to know. They have the ability to regulate their emotions They can trust others. They have effective communication skills. They manage conflict well, and they're comfortable being alone. And it's estimated that about half of the population are secure attached. 
when I read that, I was really surprised. But when I researched it more, it made sense because it is fair to assume that secure people are in committed relationships, likely with other secure people. And that would remove them from the dating population, which is what I just came from and did not feel like I experienced a lot of secure attachment people. So it's less likely that I would have come across them in my dating journey. Additionally, the insecure attachment styles are more attracted to each other. So I may have come across someone who was secure attached and I may not have been interested or my avoidant behaviors would have prevented me from pursuing a relationship with them. People who are anxious attached may have been raised with parents who made them feel responsible for how they felt. They were both overly coddled and were also detached and other actions that made them feel unstable. If you have an anxious attachment style, you might feel like you need to take care of other people's feelings, like that's your responsibility. And you may have a tendency to be codependent. You have a fear of rejection and abandonment and depend on others for emotional regulation. Signs you are anxious attached are that you are highly sensitive to criticism, whether it's actual real criticism or just perceived criticism. You get jealous, you need approval from others, and you also have difficulty trusting people. And 20% of the population uh, are anxious attached style. Only 5% of the population have disorganized attachment style, which is kind of a combination between anxious and avoidant. And this can be caused by childhood trauma, neglect, or abuse. They may be unable to regulate their emotions and exhibit contradictory behaviors. In relationships, a disorganized attached person will alternate between being aloof and independent and being clingy and emotional. They have trouble believing that their partner will love and support them as they are, which can turn into a form of self-sabotage and turn into a self-fulfilling prophecy, which is also the case for avoidant and anxious attached. People with avoidant attachment style, which is what I am, were raised with strict or emotionally distant and absent caregivers. If you were expected to be independent, if you were rejected when you expressed your needs or emotions, or if your parents were more concerned with things like grades, chores, or manners, you may have learned to not rely on anyone else for care and support. Some signs that you are avoidant attached would be if you have a hard time trusting people, which is a common thread between the three insecure attachment styles. Nobody wants to trust anybody. If you are uncomfortable expressing your feelings or if you have a strong sense of independence, this will show up in a relationship when you build walls to avoid intimacy and emotional closeness with others. You will view people who ask for your attention as needy or clingy. You fear losing your independence 
and identity in a relationship and you feel vulnerable, like you are exposing yourself to criticism. Some tips for working on conquering this type of attachment style would obviously be therapy. Therapy is a great way to express and process your thoughts and feelings in a safe environment. Now, I do want to say not every therapist creates a safe environment. So if you are starting therapy, if you're new in therapy and you don't like your therapist, you you don't click, you don't feel like you can trust them, that's okay. They just, they might not be a good therapist, first of all, but also they might just not be the, the right personality fit for you. If you have one bad therapist or one that you didn't click with, don't just write off therapy altogether. I currently have a really amazing therapist, uh, but I have had some where I felt like I could not trust them at all. More tips for working on overcoming avoidant attachment style is learning to recognize that trust is relative to the individual. You don't have to trust everyone, just one or two people. And selecting those people is something that you can work on in therapy. Something that I was very hesitant about after the end of a serious relationship I was talking to my therapist and I'm like, I just, I feel like I can't date. I don't, cause I don't trust myself to pick the right guys. You know, I felt like I was just constantly picking red flags and she said something that was really great and it has stuck with me. I've told a million people, I've probably said it on the podcast before. She said, the change won't be in the guys you're choosing, the change will be in you. And I was just like blown away. And she was absolutely right. After I spent a year of going to a lot of therapy, I started to learn who I could trust and who I couldn't trust. And I started to see that I wasn't leaning towards red flag people anymore. And when I came across them, I recognized the red flags a lot sooner and I didn't pursue those relationships. You don't have to trust everyone you come across, just one or two people. And if you need help figuring out who those people are, that's something that your therapist or maybe a trusted friend can help you with. You can also work on communicating your emotions in a safe way that allows you to feel in control. You don't have to share everything, just what you're ready to share and when you're ready to share it. So if I felt a certain way at work because my boss said something, but I'm not really sure, I haven't processed it yet. When I come home, I don't have to share that part with Scotty. You know, when he says, how was your day? You know, I can say, oh, well, I finished this project and that felt good. Um, this coworker told a funny joke and I can just leave out the other part if it feels too vulnerable. Once I've processed it and I have maybe more information and insight for myself, maybe I don't feel like I need to share it because I figured it out. But if I have more processing or advice that I want, it's within my control to then go to Scotty and say, Hey, this happened. 
with my boss. Can we, can we talk about this? I'd like to hear what you think. This is how it made me feel. And that's in my control. I'm ready to share it. I didn't have to share my whole day of work, just parts of it. And then when I was ready to say more and I felt comfortable, I could do that. Finally, it is very important for avoidance to have space. It's very easy for them to feel smothered and like their boundaries are being crossed, especially if they are in a relationship with someone who is anxious attached. Space gives them time to process their emotions and feel more in control by then being the one who reaches out to their partner when they are ready. So for me, having space is really important, especially if I'm upset because I even though I've practiced, I don't have all of the negative emotions uh, ready to go and pick out and choose and just figure it out. And processing the emotion is a really big part of me getting back to normal. But I can't do that if I'm at work or if I'm, you know, being a mom or if I'm, I, I have to be alone to do it. And I don't know why that is, but that's what helps me able to, be able to calm myself and be able to reflect on my emotions and that, and, and then resolve them. And then I can either go back to my normal status and by normal, I hate that word because all emotions are, are normal, but I can go back to the status of our relationship is in an okay place in a good place because I have resolved things. It was my issue, figured it out, blah, 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 done. Or I can then say, I I have more that I want to talk to you about this and we can resolve the issue that way. Also, as far as space and boundaries, it's really important for me, especially COVID changed the landscape of work for a lot of people. And Scotty and I are two of those people. So I work from home every day of the week, except for one day I go into the office. And then there are other days when I go to a meeting on site or whatever. And Scotty works from home two days a week, one week, and then three days a week the following week. So that is a lot of time for two people to be in a house together And then you throw kids into that, kids um, out of school. That's a lot of time to be spending in a house with anyone. So a boundary that I set in our relationship is that we both take time and do things, hobbies that we enjoy or, or whatever. It could be grocery shopping, just time apart so that because it, it is important to me to maintain my, my identity, have my independence. And in spending time outside of our relationship to focus either on ourselves or another friend, I get a sense of that independence. And I'm keeping my identity. I'm not just Scotty's wife. I'm not just the kid's mom. I am me. And I can focus on things that I enjoy. So that's another way to get space and have boundaries in your relationship. It doesn't just have to be to process negative emotions. 
One of the reasons people who are avoidant attached struggle with talking about their feelings is that they may not be equipped to understand what they are feeling. I was not given the words to explore or explain what I was feeling as a child. And not long ago, I'm 44 now, so maybe when I was 40, I googled a list of negative and positive emotions. I was so surprised at how many words were on these lists, especially the negative. So the positive one, I think it was two pages on a PDF and it was three columns each page. And I think the negative emotion one was five pages, three columns. I read, I read all of them and I had heard and used them throughout my entire life, but never really sat with them and applied them to me and what I was feeling. It was just like, oh yeah, oh my gosh, she was so sad because of whatever. Like, oh, she was so disappointed because she didn't get tickets to the Taylor Swift concert or something. Like we throw these emotion words around, but we that doesn't mean that we're really reflecting on them and applying them to how we are feeling. I started keeping a notebook nearby and when something happened to me, whether it was good or bad, I would refer to those lists. I bookmarked them on my phone so I'd pull them up and I would just list all of the emotions I was feeling at the time. And there were, there were a lot and it was overlapping. It could be good and bad. It could be, you know, 50 negative emotions at once, whatever resonated with me, I put it down. And that helped me become more familiar and practiced at identifying my emotions. And then once you have that, cause it's not just like sad or angry, it can be like frustrated, annoyed. Once you have that, then you can not always, because there's not always a why behind an emotion. Sometimes it just, and you don't have to have the why, but sometimes that can help you like, oh, why am I feeling this in particular? Oh, because I remember another time that I felt this way and it was this, and that can help you figure out where triggers come from. It can help you explain to your partner when I hear this, this is how it makes me feel. And that's a very important way to phrase it. You're using an I statement instead of when you do this, it makes me feel like this. So you're talking about your experience and if your partner loves you, which hopefully they do, respects you and cares about your feelings, they don't want to make you feel that way. And so you can have a conversation. How can we rephrase this? in a way that won't upset you or hurt you. So having the names of those emotions is really important. And it was really eye-opening and empowering. Avoidant behavior may manifest itself in ending a dating relationship after a very short period of time in order to avoid emotional intimacy. You might say someone has a red flag it's not really a red flag. And then you just stop dating them after only a handful of dates. You might be pulling back and looking for petty reasons to end a relationship. A girlfriend of mine years ago used to call this the fatal flaw. She would be like, what's his fatal flaw? And then usually laugh when I told her what it was because it was something silly. While avoidant attached initially makes up 25% of the population over time, 
we make up 50% of the dating pool. And this is because we're the first to exit a relationship due to that fatal flaw, or sometimes not, but just we get out before we can get hurt. It's a form of protection. You may prefer casual relationships where you can keep a safe emotional distance and maintain your independence. And if you do end up in a relationship for more than three to six months, you might start to focus on the flaws in the relationship. And this is important not to do in order to avoid self-sabotaging. When I was dating, my avoidant attachment was reflected in all of the questions I asked my date. I am a question asker by nature because I am curious, but also it takes the focus off of me. And who doesn't love to answer questions about themselves? Conversely, some people may view you as guarded or distant if your avoidant style leads you to not opening up about yourself. Having strong emotional feelings for someone can feel intense in a scary way because it makes you feel vulnerable, like the other person has the upper hand. You might choose people to date or be in a relationship with who are challenging and make you work to earn their love. Because deep down, you believe that you have to earn love by being perfect and not failing. This is what I tended to lean into because it felt comfortable since that's how I was raised. And if a partner is too nice, maybe they're secure attached and giving you love and attention with no strings attached, you might view them as boring because it's not a challenge for you. If you are dating and you hear your partner say, oh, I'm falling in love with you, your inner voice may want to respond with, well, you're going to be disappointed. If they say, I wish we could spend more time together, you might think, well, you're going to get sick of me. And if someone asks you to be exclusive, you might feel smothered by that. If you are dating or in a relationship with someone who has an avoidant attachment style, how can you tell they actually love you? So some reasons you might not feel that they love you is because they are very independent. They may not be open emotionally sharing with you and they may want space or seem standoffish. So the ways you can tell that they love you is anytime they reach out to you in a nonverbal way, it could be holding your hand, cooking dinner for you, or sharing an interest with you. If they are doing things that make you happy, it means that they care about you. They might display small acts of vulnerability, sharing a story from their childhood or verbally sharing their emotions are things that are a really big deal to them. And they will only do that with people that they care about. Things that you can do to support an avoidant partner is to allow them their space and independence. Don't force them to open up. Let them come to you when they are ready Understand that there is not anything you can do to fix your partner and also understand your own attachment style. Knowing your own attachment style is key because if you're insecure attached, you can then identify the things that you're doing that may be triggering your partner. 
it can also explain the dynamic between the two of you due to your attachment styles. Although people-pleasing is largely exhibited by people with anxious attachment styles, avoidant attached personalities can also be people-pleasers. This is a way for them to feel they are deserving of the love their partner gives them. And it also takes the focus off of their needs and puts that focus onto others. If you aren't careful and aren't actively working on healing from an insecure attachment style of any kind, you can self-sabotage your relationships. So it's really important to take care of yourself and be aware of your behaviors. Something interesting I have learned in my research about attachment styles is that the healing of this comes from you actually being in a relationship with someone. If you're on your own, you aren't required to deal with triggers and issues that come up when you are in a relationship. Finding a partner who is self-aware and dedicated to work on themselves and work on the relationship, as you also should be, is the best way to overcome your insecure attachment style. And like I said, it doesn't mean you're broken, there's nothing wrong with attachment styles, but the insecure attachment styles do require some level of healing because it came from maybe not such a great place. So working on that and overcoming it doesn't mean that there's something wrong. It just, you, it's self-improvement. I noticed since learning more about attachment styles that when we watch shows or movies, um, I am assessing a couple's attachment style And Scotty and I talk about how they could better approach a situation when there is a scene with conflict. I think this is a great way to discuss attachment styles in a non-confrontational way. It's also a good way to get perspective of how both sides may be coming off to the other person. When you are emotionally detached from a situation like you are when you watch a show or a movie, you can be more receptive to feedback. Consider this if there is something you would like to discuss with your partner. It might be a good opportunity to start a dialogue without either one of you becoming defensive. Next week, we will be revisiting our love language series. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, you can get caught up by listening to episodes 3, 7, and 13. We have already covered gifts, words of affirmation, and acts of service. Up next will be physical touch. At the end of every episode, we go over our currently list, which is a list of a little bit of everything going on in our lives this week. Since it's just me this week, I will be going over my own list of things that I'm currently doing. I will post the list on our Instagram at pod a little bit of everything. I would love to read about your currently in the comments, and I saved a blank template in our highlights for you to use. Please tag us if you post it so that we can see it. This week, I'm really wanting to get my nails done. I haven't done them in a while. I've been letting them breathe. I know when I'm going to do them, but I still have the desire to have them done. They just look so plain and, I don't know, yucky. I am making plans for Friday. I am going to a comedy under the stars at the park with my girlfriend. And speaking of that, I am loving having a new friend. 
I met a friend on Bumble BFF and we just hit it off and it was really easy. So that's fun. I am reading a book called Tweak. It's a true story. I didn't put more information in my notes, but (laughs) it's a true story. Uh, There's a movie on Amazon Prime called Beautiful Boy. And it's about this uh, person and their father. And the the movie is based on the book, A Beautiful, a Beautiful Boy, uh, that is written by the father. And then the son wrote a book, and it's about his experience with drug addiction and all of the things he did for drugs and then his recovery process and the relapse. And it's just really good. I, it's um, shocking and very educational. I am listening to nature. It was really hot for a couple of days, like over 105 degrees. And then recently it has been only 90, which has felt very nice compared to 105. So I've been sitting outside and listening to the leaves rustle in the trees because it's a little bit breezy and the birds and then my cat, Larry, who you may have heard earlier in this episode. I am watching, and just like that, season two, which is the Sex and the City, um, I don't know if it's a spinoff, it's like a, the after, how many years later from Sex and the City. It's pretty good. I liked, so far I liked season one better, but I've only seen a, a couple of episodes of season two. But I will watch every single thing that they produce for Sex and the City just because I have seen it all. And also the outfits are incredible. I mean, I just, I love their clothes. Be sure to follow us and check us out on Instagram at pod, a little bit of everything. And on TikTok at ALBOE underscore pod for more content. If you check out TikTok, there's one that has the thumbnail. It's like me in a hat. And that is like a a list of how I saved (laughs) boys' names in my phone when I stopped dating them. And some of them are legit. Like one of them was a liar. The others are more of like this avoidant attachment style kind of petty red flags. So check that out. It's, I think it's pretty funny. It cracks me up. If you have any topic suggestions or a question you would like to submit, you can also DM us on Instagram or TikTok. Check out the Patreon for bloopers, more private details of our lives and dating services we offer. We would love it if you would rate the podcast on Spotify or Apple podcasts and leave feedback in your comments there as well. Thanks for listening to a little bit of everything podcast. If you liked this episode and want to hear more, hit the subscribe button and your device will notify you when our next episode is released. Like, and subscribe comments, notifications. Love you. Love your show. Bye.